the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So, so many times we'll flip through headlines on our phone or our computer at work and, and we're like, okay, that's a joke. It's, it can't be real, but this is a real thing. In Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, there is a Titanic museum and they have a replica of the ship with a giant iceberg, like as <laughs> if the ship is in mid hit. And you can go around and look at 400 different artifacts from the real Titanic and yeah. all this stuff. Well, the iceberg wall collapsed at the museum and three people had to go to the hospital. Oh, no kidding. I'm laughing. No this kidding. Is, yeah. I mean, I, wow. I I don't mean to laugh either. I, hopefully they're going to be absolutely fine. But you're like, this can't be like, what? I cannot believe this would happen. And I'm thinking, <laughs> is there like some kind of curse on this on ship? <laughs> because even a replica yeah. is dangerous to humans. <laughs> so my wife, she swears I'm losing my hearing. She'll go, are you listening to me? I'll go, what? <laughs> you can't hear me can you what it's my running joke but I, I i don't think i'm the only one i think this is something that's going to be pretty prevalent in people nowadays because we all wear you know like earbuds mm-hmm. or we've been wearing headphones for like the last 30 years all of us cranked up oh yeah so we're all we're all like probably going to experience some hearing loss and i read something about a guy who was convinced his wife was losing her hearing and tell you what happened with them next so I'm under the I'm convinced that people are going to have widespread hearing loss by the time we all get to be like mm-hmm. our older years because we've just been all wearing headphones and not only headphones but cranked up to ten. With me, I'm going to lose hearing only in my right ear because Glenn got me AirPods for my birthday yeah. and I only use one because uh, I like to know what's going maybe on around you should me. Alternate back and forth. Yeah, probably so should. you'll have equal hearing loss. <laughs> There was an elderly man, and, and he was thinking his wife was losing his hearing. So he was like 20 feet behind her, and he said, can you hear me, sweetheart? No reply. So he moves closer, about 10 feet behind. He says again, can you hear me, sweetheart? No reply. He's like, man, this is bad. Five feet away. Can you hear me, sweetheart? Nothing. He gets a few inches from her ear and says, can you hear me now, sweetheart? And she goes, for the fourth time, yes. <laughs> that sounds like me and glenn only i'm the one who can't hear him Uh, struggle is real yes Yes! stop asking me taylor have you ever pulled up at home and uh your dog or maybe you've had a dog over the years that's done this they're kind of like you can hear inside they're like howling or barking oh yeah because you're gone all the time i don't want to make anybody feel bad but wait do you hear why they're doing that they're doing it for a very specific reason. I got a whole bunch of things. And why does my dog do that? I'll share them with you in just a minute. You know, some critics of our show have labeled us as dog fanatics, and I have to agree mm-hmm. with them wholeheartedly. <laughs> Guilty as charged, right? We love our doggies. And I've, I've found some things of weird behaviors that your dog may do and what they're telling you. Like, if your dog is howling when you leave and you come home and they're howling, or maybe the neighbors tell you, man, your dog was howling. It's crazy. Your dog is literally trying to call you home. Aww. That's what they're doing. That's why d- dogs do that out 
you know, like in the wild or whatever, they mm-hmm. howl to try to get their pack together. They're doing the same huh. thing. They're calling you back. We have something different with Alex the Wondermutt. She watches for us to call, come home, mm-hmm. and then she hears the garage door open. So then she's barking like, come and get me like, now. Here, I want to play. Okay. Does Alex, I know one of our dogs, Lucrezia, does this. Does Alex circle before she lies down? Every once in a while, yeah. Circle, circle, circle. Mm -hmm, Sometimes. And you wonder what they're... I always thought they're looking for a comfortable spot. They're looking for the perfect comfortable spot. Do you know why they do that? Yeah. Why? It's like from the wild, like they're nesting. Like if if, if it was in like leaves and dirt, they're making a nest. No, they're positioning themselves in case of... They're looking at the situation and where would a threat come from? And they're trying to position themselves lying down to be able to respond to it. That makes sense. So it is is from, you know, nature. But, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Have you ever had a dog, particularly a puppy, follow you all around? Oh, Alex does that to Glenn still. Does it? Well, tell Glenn that the dog may have identified him as mom. Oh, yeah. Because he's the one who feeds her and... He's there when I'm gone at work. And, yes. Oh, yeah. And I see that with our dogs, particularly the young ones that Tracy has gone and picked up. Like she had to pick up one and two of them in other mm-hmm. cities. Yeah. And the bond between her and those dogs is way deeper than yep. with any of I, Glenn I'm picked up frankly Alex. jealous. I know. Maybe I should strategically, the next time we get a dog, I'm going to go, go pick it up. You go and pick yeah. it up, right. So here's I don't know if I want a dog following me into the bathroom <laughs> and everywhere. Oh, Marco does that with me all the time. All the time. Well, then maybe you're the mom. No, that's really the only time he does it. And I think, honestly, I think it's because he doesn't like, usually uh, it'll be when the exhaust is on in the kitchen over the stove. He doesn't like that noise and he tries to get as far away from it as he can. Ah. I think it's more of that. But here's what I thought would be fun. Why don't you call, tell us your dog's weird behavior. And we're not dog experts, but we'll make something up. (laughs) (laughs) Guess. What is the weird thing your dog does? We'll analyze it using our years of being dog owners, and uh, we'll put it through our internal computers, and we'll come up with a reason of why your dog is so bizarre. What's your dog's weird behavior, Vicky? And we'll we'll guess, we'll predict. We'll analyze what, your dog for what's you. What's going on? Hey, yeah. So my dog Burton, he's a little toy poodle, and he will bark at his food before he eats it, and it's like incessant. <laughs> I have my own theory why he does it, but I'll let y'all analyze it. But I've... it is just like, I mean, he'll he'll bark. Ten times, and then you're like, Bert, eat your food. I believe he's uh, he's reenacting the kill. That's no, what he's doing. I, oh, really? I think he's praying. He's, he's praying. Going, God, you are so great. This food is Oh, I so like great. that. I like that. I was thinking that it's that um, he's letting me know, hey, Mom, I'm about to eat, so if it goes empty... You need to come back. Fill it up. <laughs> Joan, tell us about what your dog's doing that's a little weird. Hi. I have a, a Mastiff dog, and he's really big. He just turned two yesterday. And he will not go to bed unless we do. And when he's ready for bed, he comes up and whines, and he'll put his head on my lap and give me those puppy dog eyes oh. and whine, whine. Say, I'm not going to bed. I know then what it is. Say, All right. Huh? I know what it is. How big is he, by the way? Oh, he's huge. He's um, oh my gosh, he's so big that when he when I say let's go to bed, all right, mm-hmm. he runs and jumps on my bed, and he lays in the middle 
of the bed, and there's no room for me, and I can't even push him out of the way. It's very easy. He's it's just, like, he's a big old baby. <laughs> he is a big baby. He's scared to go to bed by himself. He's a big it's old baby. It's in there, Mom. That's all there is to it. How do you like the idea of moving to Italy? What if I told you someone was willing to pay you $33,000 to I move there? I could not pack my bags fast enough. Well, it's a real thing. Three villages in southern Italy are doing just that. This isn't a new concept in Italy. Um, the village of Santa Fiora will help pay your rent if you move there and work remotely. And they'll pay you even more if you open a hotel or have a baby. Wow. Here's what's going on. It's an effort in the country to revive villages where pretty much no one lives there anymore. So start dreaming. And, oh, the villages are, you can choose from the mountains or the sea. So you can decide which one but you like better. More than likely the middle of nowhere. You are moving to the middle of nowhere. Just you happen to be in Italy. That's no, what not it necessarily. Like. I mean. Like you have to ask yourself, why are, why are legit Italians leaving? <laughs> so much in such large numbers that they'll pay me to go because they yeah they Here's probably want to go to the big cities. Oh, we know. Here's yeah. what we'll do. We're going to pay the Americans. They'll do it. We'll tell them we'll pay them. They'll come. <laughs> hey, I'd be and willing sure to enough, explore here it. We are. Like, ooh, let me learn more about that. My friend Heidi has a, a friend who renovated a chateau in Italy, wow. and now she does like. Tourism, where people come and they take classes on how to make Italian delicious meals. Watch the TV show Escape to the Chateau, and you will never buy a place like that and and renovate it. Oh, it was a journey for her. It never ends. It's not. It's the journey that never ends. Right when you think you got everything set, uh, the ancient piping breaks, and you've got water all over your house. I mean, it's just like woof. Do you have girls coming up how to raise confident daughters? This is the kind of story that my dad would have lapped up raising five girls. How to raise confident daughters. Number one, make sure affirmations are tied to tangible actions like, oh, that was really thoughtful when you did something kind. Two, remind your girls that being pretty or cute are not their only attributes. I mean, telling your daughter she's beautiful is important, but she's so much more, right? Uh, Be careful how you talk about yourself around your daughter, too. And finally, to raise confident daughters, mirror your child's enthusiasm when she gets excited about something. Even if it's like, I want to be, I don't know, like a TikTok star. That's how I'm going to make my living or whatever it is. I'm going to be a dancer. Just go ahead and run with it and be enthusiastic because you never know what might happen with her dreams. Hmm. What do you do if you've raised daughters who are too confident? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I cannot tell you. <laughs> My wife and I have raised three daughters, and confidence is not one of the things that any of them have been lacking in. I don't. I don't think ever. Ty jokingly was saying, like, "Oh boy, we've raised three overconfident daughters." You were talking about how to raise confident daughters. I was kind of joking around, and as I thought about it too, and maybe you agree with this. Tell tell me what you think. Confidence looks different on different people because, like, our producer Griffin. Very, very quiet guy. You would think, oh, he's shy, therefore not confident. He's very, very confident. So do you think that's true when you think about your own life, maybe yourself, your kids, whoever does confidence look different and express itself differently with different people? So we're having a little chat about confidence and does it look different and express itself differently depending on Mm -hmm. the person? I use the example of our producer Griffin. 
extreme introvert, doesn't say a lot to anyone, mm-hmm. um, but very confident guy. You would assume, oh, he's not very confident because he yeah. just doesn't say a lot. But no, he's confident. As a matter of fact, I've said a million times, you're plotting my demise, aren't you? You're quietly <laughs> plotting my demise. Well, it's interesting you said that because um, I, I've spent a lot of my life very unconfident. I mean, I, when I was a f- like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, eighth grader, ninth grader, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, I had no self-esteem. Why? Um, I probably just, you know, I was pretty ugly and um, the way kids treat you. And like, I remember times when uh, if church was over, I would go hide out in my parents' station wagon. I'd slink down so no one could see me. Like I was that no low. Yeah. Do you think a lot yeah, of girls yeah. relate to that? Like went through the same thing? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't talked to a ton of people who have done have gone through that, but yeah. maybe they have and they just haven't shared it with me. I mean, it's a pretty vulnerable thing to mm. admit to. Yeah. Um, but what happened with me is um, I started learning how to have my confidence in who I am in Christ. And that really changed me. And then I started hanging out with people who accepted me for who I was. Mm-hmm. And then I also started practicing confidence. So like basically fake it till you can make it. Hmm. And eventually it's like exercising a muscle. It starts to come naturally. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm not shy anymore. Like I'm fine. Um, and I was just telling my husband last night. It's so funny you brought this up because I was we were in the kitchen. And I don't know how it came up, but somehow I, I said, yeah, it's weird to think that a lot of people might think that I'm not a confident person or a confident woman, but I just don't love conflict. Like, I'm not going to pick a fight just to pick a fight. So therefore, <laughs> you might look it might look like on the surface that I, either I don't have an opinion or that I'm not confident, but... I just like peace. I like <laughs> peace, love, and harmony. Yeah, I'm the middle Outweighs child. I like everyone opinion. to get along and love each other. And yeah, so that may come across as not confident. What about you? Do you think confidence expresses itself differently in different people? We're talking about confidence expressing itself differently, and I can see that with uh, all four of our kids. It expresses itself very differently. Like our son Kyle, he's not very, really very. He's not an introvert, but he's not really talkative. Um, but he's very, very confident, especially behind the drum kit. I mean, he's played his drums in front of tens of thousands of people and loves it. Remember his uh, first talent show? You were there oh, yeah. I'll in never elementary it. school. Yeah. They, all the Don't kids stop in the believing. school cafe- cafeteria were lined up on the wall uh, waiting their turn to perform. He sat there reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that chill about the whole thing. But then my daughters, too, they all express it differently. Like my oldest daughter, very outspoken, very confident, will like absolutely say what's on her mind all the time without even being asked um middle daughter's a little more reserved than that but super brilliant smart i mean like crazy smart and then my youngest daughter is very introverted but given the right setting i mean she goes and she does uh princess parties for kids you have to have some confidence to walk into that room total stranger and Mm -hmm. you know be the, the the center of everyone's attention so they all just express it differently and if i had two things that i would say to people with if you're raising kids to give them that little bit of confidence is if they do have an achievement i always say mark the occasion they bring home an a mark the occasion do something that day if you can like take them out to their favorite place for ice cream or something just to say like hey we recognize this is a big deal and we're celebrating that you did this and then my one daughter um she had blue like crystal blue eyes and I would say, what color are your eyes? And she would go, blue. I would go, no. What color is she? go? She would go, oh, beautiful blue eyes. 
And I just really felt like I had to, especially when they were younger, instill in them those compliments. I would look at it like a bank. Like every compliment I gave them was a deposit in their self-esteem account. Because when they get older, the world is going to take big withdrawals (laughs) out of that account. So those are two things that I tried to do. Okay, what kind of car do you drive? There's a vehicle that is making a huge comeback. Okay. You want to guess what it is, Kev? This is is like a body style or a brand or a type? A type of vehicle is making a huge comeback. Not a brand, Mm. just a type. The Hummer. No, good guess. It is minivans. (laughs) You may not think they're cool, but people love them. In fact, there's so much demand that minivans have sold for, on average, 8% above sticker price last month. No kidding. People are catching on once again to how practical they are for families. Big sliding doors, huge seats make it easy to attach baby seats. Big cargo compartments have plenty of space to hold strollers, playpens, or sports gear without having to figure out how to fit it, figure it fit it all in. Hmm. I have uh, four sisters. All of them are moms, and all of them at one point finally broke down and got a minivan. And yeah. they're like, "Why did I not do this sooner? Mm-hmm. It's so great." Yeah, we had we had we had a couple in our day. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, four kids, it, it just made sense. Every, yeah, you know, needed the room and stuff. Mm-hmm. My um, in laws still have a minivan. They love it. And my wife cannot wait to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> The second one she had, I remember she upgraded to it. She got a Buick Rendezvous. You would you would have thought you gave her the keys of Ferrari. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, thank goodness, no more minivan. You get excited about new technology, like ooh, like that's going to make my life so much easier. There's something that a company wants you to do mm-hmm. with uh, your identity to pay for things. And people are not too excited about this. I'll tell you what it is next. So I don't know about you, but I there's certain new technology I do get excited about. Like, for example, I love Apple Pay. Like, I'll just ask at stores, do you have Apple Pay? Because all I have to do is wave my phone in front of the scanner. I don't have to get out a credit card. I don't have to, like, sign anything. It's right. just, boom, It's so done. easy. And then Walmart knows everywhere you've been in the last three months. See, you're, I know you're going to freak out about this story. Okay, you know how our producer Griffin told us he went to this Amazon brick-and-mortar store uh-huh. where you just get all your stuff and you literally just walk, walk out? out? Right. Well, this is a new technology they want to do where they want you to use your palm, a palm scanner, because everyone's palm is completely different, just like a snowflake. And um, they're having to offer people 10 bucks as a promotional credit to be like, hey, will you try our palm scanning technology? Because I guess people are not down with it. They don't like the idea of their biometrics being used to check yeah, out at the grocery out, store. Right? Yeah, so it'll be interesting with you know, watch it and see. They're trying it out in a couple cities right now, and it might be coming to a city near you. Hmm. Um, that's like... You know, I mean, people are using their face to open their phones if they have a fancy schmancy phone. I don't have that you know, on my phone the, yet. What's interesting about this, I could see my son freaking out over that. Yeah. Um, or not not freaking out over that, but saying like, okay, I'll do that. But he freaked out the other day. He got a warning uh, from a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, not a ticket, but a warning. And then all of a sudden he got a letter in the mail from a lawyer, like soliciting uh, business. Yeah, He's I like, want me to help you how out. Did he, how did he get that? I said, well... A traffic violation, anything, it's public record. It's, mm-hmm. you know, when the court system is public, yep. public record. He's like, I don't like that. That's a violation of my privacy. But I wonder <laughs> if you told him, like, hey, you can buy stuff with your palm, he'd be like, sweet. <laughs> Wait till he buys his first home. 
And that's public oh. record. Anyone can find out yeah. what you paid. Is If they have your name and your address, right. they know what you paid. Right. Hard to believe the Olympics are winding down this week, right? Is this it? I think Already? so. I, think, I just really got into them. I think we are coming to an end. And I found it interesting this time around with the Olympics, which human interest stories they choose to emphasize and which ones we never, ever hear about. Like a woman who won a gold medal for weightlifting, and you probably haven't heard her or heard her story. We're going to share it with you next. It's a really inspiring story of faith. So I was thinking a little bit yesterday, Taylor, about how weird it must be to be an Olympic athlete. Because most of these sports are sports that the other four, three years and whatever, 50 weeks, no one cares. No one's paying attention mm-hmm. to your sport. So you train and you you compete in Anonymity. I mean, people aren't, cameras aren't following you around. People aren't wanting to know your backstory. And then all of a sudden, for it's two gotta be weeks, crazy. everyone wants to know every little detail about you. Right? What a ride. Yeah. So I'm not surprised when a lot of them are like, I really don't want the spotlight. I don't want the spotlight. And it is interesting which stories the media decides, oh, this is the one the world needs to hear. But there was one I just heard yesterday. You've probably never heard of Hildalyn Diaz from the Philippines. She won the women's weightlifting competition. All There's right. been a lot of media attention to the weightlifting competition, just not on her. She wins the gold. Nobody knows who's, who she is. And the thing that I found interesting about her is they said, what do you think propelled you to win? And she said, my faith in God and prayers. Love it. People praying for me mm-hmm. and me joining them in prayers the entire time I've been here. That's what did it. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Isn't I love that, cool? that she's using her platform to share her faith. And she had some incentives. Um, I guess the Philippine Olympic Committee or something like cash incentives to win. She won the U.S. equivalent of $100,000. And the reporter asked her, what are you going to do with your money? How are you going to spend it? And she goes, well, I'm going to tithe first. Uh-huh. And then I have no idea. I'll figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> College, down payment for a house. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome that she's giving the first 10% to God. So I love that story. I love All it. the way around. Very cool. Isn't it so fun to follow the athletes in the Olympics that are being super open about their faith? It's really mm-hmm. encouraging. Like, have you heard of Tajana Schoenmaker? She made Olympic history this week, setting a new record for the women's 200-meter breaststroke. She's 24 years old. She's from South Africa. And she gave credit for her victory to God and hopes to lead others to him. And this is kind of cool what she does. You know how I learned this by watching the Olympics. The swimmers wear two swim caps. They put on one, then they put their goggle strap on, and then they put another cap on to hold the strap in place. Because this one lady had to swim her, she's only like 19, she had to swim her entire race with her goggles like in her nose and in her mouth. It was terrible. Um, So anyway, beneath her green South African swim cap is a white cap with the Christian symbol of a Jesus fish. With the phrase, <laughs> soli deo gloria, which translates to glory to God alone. And she said that um, she made the best decision of her life a couple years ago by accepting Jesus as her personal savior. And she's so excited about committing her entire life in humble obedience and service to God. Wow. Isn't that so cool? Very cool, yeah. Sometimes Setting gotta, a world record. You got to dig for those stories, but they're, they're, uh, they're there, right? Hey, this is your guarantee to put you in a good mood story of the day. Did your parents make a lot of sacrifices to get you where you are today? This is really going to touch your heart then. Eric Juarez just became a doctor. He graduated from Medical School of Georgia at Augusta University in May after earning his MD. 
And his parents worked their tails off to get him where he is today. They've been working the fields, picking fruits and vegetables since they immigrated to the U.S. back from uh, Mexico in the 80s with just the clothes on their backs. Hmm. So, to honor his parents, he took, every time he graduated from high school, whatever school he was graduating from, he would do his graduation photos in the fields where they work to honor what oh, they've no done. Kidding. How uh, cool is that? Eric was also the Val Victorian of Bainbridge High School, the first Hispanic student to do so back in 2010. He also went to West Point and Harvard. No kidding. Now he's got his MD, he's a doctor, and he's the first person in his family to ever have a white-collar job. So I love that he's just not, he refuses to forget where he came from. Yeah, that is cool. Way to go. So I don't know about you, but uh, did you have a really hard time finding toilet paper about a year ago? Oh yeah, everybody. It was like a theme, right? Well, it got taken to new heights in our family, and it's finally come to fruition. I'll tell you what I'm talking about in just a minute. Can't wait to hear this story, Taylor, about uh, toilet paper, because I thought our toilet paper woes were way in the rearview mirror. When it comes to toilet paper during the pandemic, how did your family fare? We got to the point where I had been known by my husband as someone who uses a lot of toilet paper, and I was learning to spare one square. Like, I was down to a square, like, per wipe. (laughs) I mean, I was so proud of myself because we got in a bad spot. Like there was one time I stayed up really, really late on a Saturday night. I was in the other room and I was hunting the entire Internet for toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And I run out and I tell my husband, I can't find anything. And he goes, I've been searching, too. Like we didn't know we were both hunting. Well, then finally, one of our listeners told us about this toilet paper that was um, from China that you could buy right away. So I, on a whim, because I was panicking, I panic bought, I got the toilet paper. Okay. And um, let's just say it's very tiny rolls. It took, by the way, it took like eight months to arrive. <laughs> so I thought I had been scammed. It finally came and it was these little teeny tiny rolls. And I decided the other day, you know what? I'm not letting this go to waste. I'm getting it out. We're going to use this toilet paper. Okay. So it it was under the sink in one particular bathroom in our house. My husband comes out of that bathroom last night, not knowing my plan, and he goes, "By the way, what's up with the Albanian toilet paper from a bus station in Albania?" <laughs> I just die laughing. Plush and soft. And it is. no, not He's the usual Kirkland's Costco brand that we buy with the three ply or whatever it is. He was not like the uh, bear in the commercial. No, doing the little dance. Oh my honey's clean. Yeah, no, he was. He goes. He's the funniest, like, uh, physical humor actor. He imitates, he goes, yeah, I went in that bathroom the other morning and I came out and he starts walking, like, really tenderly. And he was like, (laughs) I came out like, what just happened to me? (laughs) And I said, babe, we got to use it up at some point. I didn't think it was that bad. He goes... It's I could like sand down our walls right. with that stuff. <laughs> it cleans and exfoliates. <laughs> Ouch. But I'm determined to use it up. I am not letting my toilet paper from Maybe China you go to waste. Use it for uh, cleaning the house or something or for like, well, you it's know. It's not that 
spills yeah. or like keep it in the kitchen. Yeah, you need paper towels for that. <laughs> but I guess I could bring it here to the radio station. Y'all want to try it? No, <laughs> no. I think you've done a great job describing it. And we but I'm wondering, am I the only one that has weird stuff like that left over? Like. I have enough hand sanitizer to last me the next decade. <laughs> if I'm if if I'm not the only one, we would oh, love you know to what? hear from you. Yeah, you just made me think of something I have that I bought in bulk that we never used and still have. Anthony, did you overbuy something during the pandemic? My wife during the pandemic because there was a, a toilet paper shortage. We got a bidet. Now there's no need for toilet paper. <laughs> you have French clean heinies. There you go. And, and it come, It has a fan. It has a heater. It has a nightlight. I mean, it has wow. every bow and whistle that you could think of. So, Lisa, you heard we're finally using up that TP from China. And my husband's like, what is this from an Albanian bus station? <laughs> Yes, and I have a very unfortunate picture. (laughs) (laughs) So when um, I lived in China, I lived in a very rural place. And um, at the restaurants, like instead of in the bathrooms, I'm having rolls of toilet paper in the bathrooms. This is in China, by the way? In in China, yeah. So the restaurants would have this packet next to, um, you know, your plate. And when I first got there, I thought, these are some really thin napkins. Is it like tissue? Is it tissue for your nose? That's kind of <laughs> nice. And this company who had been there already for a couple of years um, discreetly explained that, no, that's the toilet paper. <gasps> so like a it's, ration per, per yeah, guest. Per visit of the restaurant, right. Exactly. And we're talking like single ply and like the thinnest single ply and it's a packet that's like it looks like it's discreetly you can put it like in your purse it's about the size of um like so you know like the, the kleenex that we have that are for purses oh my but it's gosh really flat you better hope the food agrees <laughs> right it's like or at least that it doesn't hit you until you get home right <laughs> the fastest taxi ride home ever so let's talk about uh, toilet paper buying during the pandemic. It, it brings up that funny meme. Have you seen it? And said, when the pandemic hit, it's funny. Our survival instincts told us to buy toilet paper. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? So I, I remember the. I remember exactly where I was when someone told me. Toilet Do you know that shortage? toilet paper is flying off the shelves? You can't get it. I was like, ha right. And they're like, no. I'm serious. I was like, what? And of course, I ran to the grocery store that day. To uh, find shelves empty. <laughs> yes. But uh, one of our listeners, Rob Allen, he hit us up and sent us a picture. I, I was joking around a minute ago that we've got enough hand sanitizer for the next decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent a picture of all their Clorox wipes and giant bottles of hand sanitizer. Yeah. He said, we're good for the next seven pandemics. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we have. I said I was going to say what well, we, we overbought. I had bought at one of the discount shops. Remember um, companies that produced alcohol? A lot of them switched and they were bottling hand sanitizer, Mm -hmm. but they were putting it in their liquor bottles. Yeah. So I've got like six, uh, they look like liquor bottles in our garage of hand sanitizer (laughs) that we really couldn't use because it has the thickness, the viscosity of just liquid. It's not like the gel that you rub on your hand. So it's really not that... Useful, so I don't know what we'll do with it. I used some hand sanitizer at a grocery store the other day, and you would have thought I had grabbed something from a toxic waste dump. I mean, I smelled until I could get to a place where I could wash my hands. It was so strong. Smell? 
It was very much like chemicals. Like, I didn't know what it was doing to me. Probably ripped off seven layers of your skin. Probably. (laughs) Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.